Hey there, and welcome to episode number 118 of the Church Collective Podcast. My name is Ryan, and in this episode, myself and Anthony were able to talk to Louis Giglio about the Jesus Bible, uh, about ministry. Um, he had some really, really cool comments on how to find that balance between ministry and family and God, and I think you're going to be really surprised by what he says. So here we go with the Church Collective Podcast, episode number 118. Well, I'll take the backstory of the Jesus Bible is a meeting we ran a few years ago, and we have a publishing uh, agreement with HarperCollins, which is part of Zondervan, or Zondervan's part of HarperCollins. We're sitting in this meeting, and someone said, would you guys be open to the idea of a Bible? And in the back of my mind, immediately I'm like, no, we don't want to do a Bible. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not knocking study Bibles and themed Bibles. There are some amazing ones out there. Over the years, we just really didn't feel like that was the lane that we needed to be in. So we never did the Passion Bible. We never did the Passion Worship Bible. Sure. We didn't do the Louis Giglio, you know, study Bible or whatever. Right. We just said, let's let the Bible be the Bible. So I was thinking the answer is going to be no. And then the person finished the question and said, we were thinking that it could be helpful to have a Jesus Bible for people. You know, the Jesus Storybook Bible for Kids is a best-selling Bible. It helps kids understand that all the stories of Scripture are really about Jesus. And what a great resource and what a great message. And as soon as the words came out, what about a Jesus Bible for all people? I thought, well, surely that exists already. (laughs) And they said, no, not in the format that we're talking about. It's comprehensive as what we really are envisioning in our team quickly prayed about it. It inspired us because we wanted to help people understand that the Bible isn't just a random collection of books and stories and periods of history, but it really is a story. It's all about one person, and it's really pointing us all to the person of Jesus. And if we could do that to help people see him from beginning to end, then we felt like we could really offer a very, very helpful resource to the church. And we spent almost two years working on it and uh, released it a few weeks ago at the Georgia Dome. We gave a copy, thanks to the generosity of some people, to 55,000 18 to 25-year-olds. And I'm telling you, I've seen Oprah give away cars before, but (laughs) nothing else a candle to this moment when a stadium full of people realized they were all going to get a copy of this special Dome Edition hardback version of the Jesus Bible, they went nuts, and I think it's already ignited a new wave of excitement about finding Jesus in Scripture and rooting our hearts in Him and in His Word, and I think the fruit of it is going to be obviously only understood in heaven, but yeah. the spark already has, you know, set a great fire ablaze. Sure. That really opens up. Um, we had a question come from our community. Um, we kind of asked everybody if they had anything they wanted to, to hear from you. And, and, and one of the questions was like how, you know, you said 55,000 people for, for passion. Like you got any any sense of how you guys have been able to keep that just growing and, and being, I guess, relevant too over the years? Like like what what's the what's like the core vision for your passion stuff? Well, those are two questions that I really, honestly, Ryan, wish I could answer easily. <laughs> sure. Because we celebrate our 20th anniversary at the Georgia Dome yeah. on January 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And 20 years of anything is kind of mind-blowing to right. me. And when we set out with our first conference in 1997, we certainly, if I'm honest, didn't envision being here two decades later with yeah. a stadium 
full of people. So I guess the answer to that is that what God wanted to do. And that sounds probably like a cliche, but it really is the truth. You know, God set this in motion. He put this vision in our heart. He may not want to take credit for all of it, but I know that he he is the one who initiated the vision and set us on this course. And set us on a course, you know, when people say, what is passion all about? It's about two things. It was about a burden for the college moment, the university moment, the 25 million college students in America Hmm. who are under-resourced by and large by the church when it comes to the gospel. And I had a passion for that coming out of 10 years of campus ministry, and so uh, the Lord led us to do a conference where we could really reach broader than one campus and reach all the students of America, hope for spiritual awakening in our lifetime on college campuses. And so that's the one side of passion. The other side is the theological side, and that's a big desire to see students' eyes opened in a 180 to understand that life is not about them. Life is all about Jesus. And he loves us and is for us, but he wasn't created for us. We were created for him. And that 180 doesn't diminish our lives. It really actually helps us find our lives. So for 20 years, we've been targeting at 18 to 25-year-olds. We've stayed very focused on that. And for 20 years, we've been (laughs) bringing the very same message to the collegiate generation. Our our root... uh, you know, scripture, Isaiah 26, 8, has not changed over 20 years. Not a new theme this year, same theme. Uh, for your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. And I think Jesus is relevant, Ryan, to get right down to the practical side of the question. Sure. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if the message is on Jesus and about Jesus, the vision is inspired from Jesus, then you can kind of keep doing the same thing for a while and actually have people still want to pay attention to what's going on. And so we've been um, fortunate enough to keep the message clear, to keep Jesus at the center. And each you know progressive generation of college students that have come through the doors have had the same basic desires, which is to know why they're alive and how they got on planet Earth and what what matters most in life. And sure we've really been able to unpack that around the person of Jesus and that's what's kept passion going yeah. all these years. Do you, do you feel like um, maybe you could speak to over 20 years do you feel like there's any difference in the culture of college students? I mean obviously there is but like do you have any sense on what's changed since then? Like what, what kind of pitfalls, burdens do people have now that they maybe didn't have 20 years ago? Yeah, you know I have to have an answer to that I hope because we've <laughs> obviously watched up close for a lot of years go by, but I, I really, I want to just put a little caveat before I answer to say, you know, I think one of the most dangerous things that we have done is we began to put these monikers on generations like Gen X and sure. Gen Y and now the millennials and we've lumped everybody into one pile. We've said, if you're this age, then this is what you're like. And what I have found, this may be helpful for someone who's in leadership, what I have found is that there is some value in understanding uh, culture as a whole, demographics as a whole, but I think the pitfall is misunderstanding the individuals within the culture and the demographic. And if you looked across the stadium at Passion 2017, you know, tens of thousands of, of quote, millennials, 
you would have seen a very wide range of people. <laughs> you would have seen some, right. you know, people from middle America who look real conservative, very preppy in their dress. You would have seen some people who look, you know, very hip or, you know, ripped jeans-esque in their appearance. And so even on the surface, you would have seen a wide variety. But I think you also get that same variety just going person to person about their outlook on life. And so we've tried as passion to stay away from the, the generalization. So these are millennials. That means they believe these seven things. And if we're going to be relevant to them, we have to do these four things. Yeah. I think that's a trap. Um, the gospel is what's relevant. Preaching yeah. Jesus is what's relevant. The spirit of God bringing the word of God off the page into our lives is what's relevant. And so I have found even at 58 years old that people still want to listen to you, even if they're 18 years of age, if your message is gospel-powered and gospel-focused. And so I think that's the key. And um, But then to answer your question, now with that big you know, footnote on there, sorry for that, <laughs> I think that people do change over time. And um, I guess the one thing we're praying most about is that God will help us address maybe a victim mentality that could settle into people who've seen a lot of disappointment in their lives sure. and who may feel like they're not good enough, smart enough, never going to make it enough. You know, everybody's telling millennials, we'll never make as much as your parents make. Yeah. You're not going to get a job as easily as your parents got a job. You're not going to have the kind of success in life that your parents had. <clears throat> Most of the great inventions that have changed the world happened in the last 15 years. So good luck reinventing the smartphone or a digital camera or something else that's going to change the world. And I think they're wondering, like, where is my place? Yeah. And so when you mix disappointment, whether that's family disappointment um, or a relational disappointment, with a sense of unease about, you know, where is my footing for the future, you can kind of get the focus on yourself pretty fast and get into a victim mentality that because all these things happen to me in life, that's why I am the way I am and that's why I can do this or can't do that. And at the heart of my message at Passion was the cross, which is the place where the story of the victim ends and the story of the victor begins. Sure. And so I may have scars, and you may have scars. Well, Jesus has scars. But the story of Jesus is not that he has scars. The story of Jesus is that he's triumphant in eternal life. Yeah. And so I may have scars, but they don't have to be my story. They just are proof that I made it. And so I want to help <coughs> this younger generation come face up to whatever their disappointments are, but to see the cross as superior power for all their disappointment and the catapulting place in life that can lead them out to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. Sure. Hey, Louie, Anthony here. I got a question for you. Okay, Anthony. <laughs> uh, when it comes to your own personal life, your personal walk, jumping between conferences, traveling, writing, speaking, all these things, what keeps you encouraged and balanced through all of that? Well, that's a really great question. Um, unfortunately, you know, balance, probably not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And I know it sounds like a terrible answer, but I, I don't really know if uh, if our goal, Shelly, my wife and I's goal, has ever really been to be balanced. You know, I think by that I know what you're, what you're getting at, and I was certainly on board with what you're getting at, but yeah. I think somehow we've pictured a life where 
got my families over here, and that's equal weight to my ministry, and that's equal weight to my personal recreation, and that's equal weight to my spiritual journey, and that's equal weight to my intellectual pursuit, and all these things sort of balance out in life, but life isn't like that. Right. Uh, life typically is like 90% of something in on the scale at one time. If you've got three kids under the age of six, you don't have any balance in your life. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Everything is always tipping the scale to, we don't have enough time, we're right. not getting enough sleep, <laughs> we don't even know which way is up. Yeah. And so balance is a, is a, you know, it's a mirage out there on the horizon that's really hard to get at. I think the, the question we pursue is faithfulness and health. Um, are we being faithful to what God called us to do? Because if you look at the life of Paul, you would not characterize Paul as balanced at all. Yeah. You would say, this guy went full throttle, flamed out at the end for the glory of God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, puff of smoke, he hits the tape, and there's nothing left of him. He said he was poured out like a drink offering. I mean, it's like pouring water into the desert. He was done when it was over. That's faithfulness. But I think if you ask Paul at the end of the day, are you spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, he would say yes. Physically, no. But emotionally, spiritually, mentally, Paul made it. Yeah. And so I think what we're trying to pursue as we juggle, you know, creating a Jesus Bible with writing a message for church in three days, <laughs> you know, I'm doing at this present moment, then we're asking, what, 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 what do I need to do to be faithful today, God? Not this year, not this month, not for the next 10 years, but what today do I need to do to be faithful? And how can I protect my heart and my mind and my soul, create enough space so that I end up healthy physically as much as possible, healthy emotionally, healthy mentally, and healthy spiritually? And I think you can be unbalanced in view of the world, like, man, you just traveled to 17 cities in the last three months and preached the gospel that looks unbalanced to the world. But you can do that and still be very much healthy inside. So we're looking for faithfulness, purpose, and health. And how you do that is different for every individual, Anthony. It's yeah. not a formula. You know, for me, that might be different than for you, what can make me all of a sudden recharge emotionally and mentally and spiritually all in one half hour moment if I do the right thing. Yeah. Right. But that might be a different thing for you. It's just prioritizing what it is and watching the gauges. And, you know, when I feel like, oh man, I'm dreading what I used to love. Hmm. Okay, uh, the gauges are bad. I yeah. need to put something in there that's going to help my heart, my soul. Uh, when I just want to hit the eject button and disappear. Um, which we all do at some point in life, then that's a gauge I need to understand. And I don't know that if it would mean, well, I've got to reshape the whole balance of my life, but I do need to find that place right now where I can pour something back into my soul. So I don't know if that's a helpful yeah. answer or not, but that's the way we sort of approach it. Yeah, totally. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please head over to thechurchcollective.com, hit that contact button. We would love to connect with you, and we'd love to connect you with others. God bless you today.